Hi guys, welcome to the Not The Top 20 podcast. My name is Ali Maxwell. On the line today, George Ellick. Hopefully this will be out in time for your Monday evening commute a little earlier uh, than usual. And we've dialed up George. We're at opposite ends of London. And today we're going to be talking, well, we're going to be talking EFL, but we're also going to be talking FA Cup. So uh, almost more topics than usual to discuss. And uh, I think the EFL now legally owns uh, the FA Cup, George. Of course, they've already got their own cup competition, uh, the EFL Cup, the Carabao Cup. But after uh, this season's results and what happened on the weekend, I think, you know, legally they've probably got claim to the FA Cup now because it's been an unbelievable season so far. And last weekend was no different. Yeah, exactly. And especially, I mean, I was one of the people when the draw was made who was disappointed that certain clubs didn't get the big draws that maybe they'd, uh, they'd have been after. Um, but stories absolutely everywhere. Um, you've got to feel sorry for the likes of Shrewsbury, who have obviously were 2 nil up against Wolves and managed to uh, to lose that lead and have to have a replay now. Um, unbelievable effort, effort from Newport, of course, at Middlesbrough, but, um, but some truly amazing stories and none better than AFC Wimbledon absolutely battering not even that much of a week in West Ham team. Um, you know, I'm sure their fans would have loved the day. I'm sure they wish they could do that to actual other League One teams in the league to, to maintain their League One status. But, uh, but unbelievable for them to pull that off. Well, I was going to say it's a bit of a quirk of these runs that we do see every season, probably not as many uh, EFL clubs going as deep as they will uh, this campaign. I think I'm right in saying that uh, it, Brentford and Barnet, they played tonight. We're recording before that, so we don't know the result yet. But even if you assume that Wolves and Brighton will win their replays, which is not something you should do, uh, but assuming they do, uh, Brentford and Barnet, uh, before the draw is made, we'll have an 8 out of 15 chance of drawing a, an EFL club, a non-Premier League club. So the opportunity is there. Someone will go deep in this competition. It, it genuinely, at this stage, it, it's very possible, given the randomness of the draw, that we might see an EFL team in the semi-final, which would be uh, really exciting. It's a couple of rounds away, of course. Um, you talked about Wimbledon there and, and how their fans, I'm sure, would wish they could do that. Uh, to opposition teams. It's the sort of performance from Wimbledon that we've seen in, in dribs and drabs uh, this campaign, but not consistently enough. And uh, on this occasion, unlike most of the season so far, they took their chances. And I think Shrewsbury fans would probably say the same, that these are performances that that the fans know they have in them, um, but you do have to have a few things go your way, including taking your chances and, and some heroic defending as well. But why do you think it is that there's it kind of, I might, I might be generalising, but just looking at this round, uh, Wimbledon, Millwall, Shrewsbury, uh, Newport getting that late winner at Middlesbrough to stay in the hat, uh, Doncaster are through, I suppose they're doing quite well in the league, but generally the team's uh, going deep in this competition, that they're not actually the best teams in their league, which I always think is a bit of a... Um, I don't know if there's a, a particular reason for it or if it is just a quirk. I mean, the first thing to say is that certain managers will definitely prioritise the FA Cup more than the league. or Not more, but but treat it as, as similarly to their league campaigns, whereas others won't really care about being knocked out. So there's definitely a manager trait here where some people um, are going to be looking for this. I mean, you look at um, Ricketts at Shrewsbury and, and Wally Downs at Wimbledon. I mean, they're going to take every game um, as seriously as possible at the current situation because they're new to the roles and they need to implement their philosophies and can get wins on the board. So it's no surprise to necessarily see they, those teams do well. We saw similar with Oldham in the last round with a caretaker manager as well. Um, but at the same time, it's not a massive surprise. I mean, I never think it's always the top teams going through purely because it's it's, it's such chance. It's so dependent on who you draw um, in, in the rounds as well. I mean, Oxford had that run through to the... Uh, to, to the round before the quarterfinals a couple of years ago. And that was the season after 
promotion from League Two. And, and it felt like that kind of almost in itself was the season uh, that, that defined the season for, for the club. And it became more important than the league campaign itself. And I think you're seeing that with a couple of teams at the moment. Um, but, you know, Millwall, you say it every, over and over again, any team that goes to Millwall is going to have a difficult game. So it wasn't a massive shock to see them do that. AFC Wimbledon have been putting in good performances without getting the results. So whilst I don't think any of us saw them scoring four goals against a decent West Ham team, um, you could say that performance was coming. Whereas there are other teams who are going to be happy to be out of the cup because it means they can concentrate on, on the league, whether that's getting promotion or staving off relegation. I enjoyed that you tweeted uh, during Accrington Derby, which was actually it wasn't the, f- the first game of the uh, of the weekend, was it? Because we had a couple on Friday night, but it was the first uh, game on Saturday in, in uh, yeah early afternoon. And, and you said, even at nil-nil, you tweeted, the people who complain that the FA Cup is dead probably haven't bothered to watch a cracking FA Cup tie today. Uh, it did sort of make me smile looking back uh, that that was when you decided to tweet that, given what was to come. I mean, I know that you watched the Millwall-Everton game and you absolutely lost your mind at, at, uh, at, the, at the finish <laughs> there. I mean, tell me about Millwall and beating Everton. I mean, all goals from set pieces. We saw Jake Cooper, the assist king, uh, do what he does best. And Everton uh, clearly hadn't quite done their research there or, or, as we've mentioned before, just find it very hard to stop a, a six-foot-seven man from winning that first ball. Uh, but, but, you know, despite everything that's going on off, this, off the pitch... Um, you know, massive credit to Millwall, I suppose. Do you think that for Millwall, uh, Wimbledon, Shrewsbury in general, uh, does progression in the FA Cup hinder their chances of uh, of improving in the league? For Wimbledon, obviously, that would mean, uh, does this reduce their chance of survival? For, for Millwall, for Shrewsbury, do you now, uh, maybe with your punting hat on, go, oh, maybe I'll have a look at them for to, to fall down a couple of spots? I think in the short term, these games can take a lot out of out of the teams um, and you have to be mindful of that Shrewsbury for example having to play um, tomorrow night or as a Wednesday night, I think it's tomorrow night um, having to play a game having felt you know the heartbreak of losing a 2-0 lead to a Premier League team um, as well as the physical impact that's going to have so it can do but then at the same time you look at AFC Wimbledon and there's no way that their result isn't going to give them massive confidence going forward and, and for a team who's really lacked confidence for the last I think it was a case of the performances not yielding results for AFC Wimbledon, which led to the heads dropping, which led to the performances getting worse. And so having scored four goals against West Ham, having got through that tie on, on TV, they'll now surely think that anything is possible. Um, but you mean you mentioned the tweet I put out on, on in the Atkinson game. I think for me, I mean, it was a slight... Uh, not like you to be chippy a, on Twitter, George. Well, it was a slight go at, um, at a, 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 a journalist who I adore reading uh, and John Nicholson who writes for Football uh, 365 and he and after the last round he basically just put an article up saying we should cancel the FA Cup because of the because um, the fact that the, the you know some Premier League teams don't take it as seriously and it's died a death whereas I think it's you know it's completely the opposite um, it gives massive impetus and potential for these for these smaller clubs I mean AFC Wimbledon are now what one or two wins away from from you know an FA Cup quarter final, it's an unbelievable achievement. They're not; these teams aren't going to give two hoots who lines up for the Premier League team. That's not what goes down in the history books. That's not what people remember. And if there's ever been an advert as to why it's so important for the FA Cup and how the FA Cup is still just an unbelievable competition, I mean, it may not be the priority for for for, for the football's elite, but they have enough. Uh, their fans have enough to enjoy in a season. Um, it's it's magical. It's it's still there. Um, and this weekend, I think, was just proof of how important it is to English football that we maintain it, um, even in its current guise. And there's also a massive recency bias where 
I don't buy the idea that 20 years ago every team put out their, their first team in the FA Cup. I'm not having it. I think it's just these days um, we, we tend to remember things the way we want to. Dan, a Newport fan, tweeted us uh, about this and he just said, uh, well, his match report was good. He, he pointed out Tariq back in Sir Antoine Semenyo, uh, brilliant. Both of those guys on loan from Bristol City, of course. And Semenyo since has been recalled uh, amid reports that Chelsea, Man City, Man United might be interested in him. Uh, remarkable, really. This is a guy that's only started 12 or 13 of Newport's uh, League Two games this year, but a sort of late developer in terms of the professional game. And it, uh, clearly Chelsea, uh, among others, uh, he scored against them in the checker trade earlier on this season. And, and there's it seems a lot of teams looking at at buying Semenya, really interesting one that we'll definitely keep an eye on. But Dan, to your point, said uh, the scenes in our end after that equaliser show the FA Cup is still everything to clubs like ours. I mean, they would know, wouldn't they, Newport fans? Uh, I was just thinking earlier today, given the amazing, miraculous survival uh, in, in Mike Flynn's first half season, uh, an incredible cup run last year that saw them uh, play twice against Spurs and, and ultimately lose at Wembley and then uh, this uh, late equaliser against Middlesbrough when you think of Mike Flynn's Newport now you just think of these incredible moments they've had more of them than almost any other team in the league uh, or in in the EFL over the last few years despite the fact that they haven't reached the playoffs they've been more or less a a mid-table League 2 team over that time and and that's what it's all about isn't it it's it's those moments it's the pride that their fans must feel now um, that you know everyone now knows that (laughs) you come up against Newport in any one-off game and you're going to have a bit of a tough time and everyone appreciates seeing uh, the scenes in the away end and back at Rodney Parade where they've had some great results as well Um, we should mention that uh, Swansea went through uh, Bristol City went through on Friday night Um, we got a few messages this is why we love the Sunday scout reports we asked for on Twitter Uh, we got a few messages from Bristol City fans pointing out a young Bolton midfielder 17 year old Luca Connell uh, who made one of his first appearances and apparently absolute boss the game in central midfield, which is no mean feat at Ashton Gate. Uh, really great when we get people pointing out, um, you know, opposition players that are standing out. You sort of buy into the, the opinion even more, don't you, than if it's uh, their own fans saying it. So we're keeping an eye on him. Apparently there's already interest from him. So uh, Bolton might struggle to keep hold of him. Uh, Portsmouth and QPR are going to a replay. West Brom uh, doing the same in their game against Brighton. So they could still go through. Bees versus Bees tonight, as I mentioned, uh, one of those teams will go through. Uh, it'd be great, obviously, for, for more EFL representation, but equally fantastic if, if uh, Barnett could do it um, into the last 16 as a non-league club. Um, and uh, yeah, just I think that's that's probably it for the FA Cup. It was just a fantastic weekend. Cannot wait for the draw. And I think, you know, we, we tend to really focus on the league football, uh, but it's been impossible to ignore the FA Cup this season because it's been absolutely sensational. Uh, our other focus this week, we should mention away from this podcast, now we're going to run through the Championship League One and League Two. Uh, we'll, we'll probably touch on a bit of transfer news, George, but we're kind of saving that for Thursday, aren't we? Because uh, I guess it's it's a debut of sorts for us, a, a January debut uh, on Thursday, which we're very excited about. Yeah, good to see uh, the guys at Sky Sports News dipping into the EFL market to get some talent for deadline day. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to be, very excitingly, um, we're going to be providing some EFL analysis throughout the day, live from Sky. Um, so I think this is a case of just thanking all the uh, all the listeners. It's obviously a bit of a, a milestone for us to be invited to do something like that. So we're really excited. And of course, you know, it wouldn't have happened and, and, and stuff like this wouldn't happen without all the listeners getting involved. So, uh, yeah, it's exciting times to be able to, 
Hopefully, because, you know, deadline day is always so busy in, in the Championship League 1, League 2 and not necessarily in the Premier League. So hopefully we'll be very, very busy indeed, kind of rattling through how important Colchester's new lonely left-back is going to be. Um, instead of instead of talking about possible moves in the Premier League that probably won't happen. Yeah, it should be some good stuff. A big thank you to the guys at Sky Sports who, who really took a punt on us, I guess, back in March, April time. Sky Sports News, which is where we'll be from or between one and five i think it is um there are are sort of there are there are a different bunch of people to the sky sports team so it's uh, it's a big thank you to the sky sports team um because them taking a punt on us has led to this and it's all very exciting we'll also be on efl matters won't we at seven so it's a double bubble for us big old day um big old we're hoping we're hoping that we're going to be nice and uh nice and loose for the uh, efl matters after a day on sky sports news maybe you'll uh you'll be quite a little bit more decisive about your hands go. Um, that's what I'm hoping anyway. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it, but we'll see. Um, no, really, really good. And yeah, uh, uh, echo what you say. Uh, massive thank you to everyone that's listened and, uh, to us and supported us over the years. Uh, of course, this this is just uh, this is just a, a milestone and certainly not the end point. So yeah, really, really exciting. I've as you do as well, George. Listen and listen have listened to a lot of podcasts in my time, and I feel like. Uh, not to show off, but I think this is the, the best. No, no, no. I was going to say, <laughs> I was going to say the support that, that I feel we get, and the fact that you see people um, sharing our stuff so much, and so happy to to try and spread the word uh, in order to help us. I, I I haven't seen that as much with any other podcast. Um, there are many that have a brilliant rapport with their listeners. I mean, the football ramble stands out in in that regard, definitely. But um, yeah, we, we've just been so lucky. So we're very very happy, and uh, as a as a real treat, a couple of people. Uh, the other day, who won't be named, said to me, uh, Ali, you stopped putting in uh, little jingles uh, in between sections. And I said, well, I don't think I've actually done that for the last year or so. I just got fed up of editing um, and tried to keep it as sort of um, as sort of standard as possible. But uh, just for those who missed the jingles, uh, here's a, a brief interlude before we get into the championship. Yeah, it was a reduced fixture list uh, across the EFL with FA Cup action uh, sort of dazzling us. But there was some some really good stuff as well. In the Championship, uh, Norwich are, uh, have got an amazing fixture list at the moment. Uh, they, they had to play Sheffield United on the weekend and they've got Leeds next weekend. We're going to go big on Leeds against Norwich in the on the betting show later on this week. So make sure you're subscribed and listen to that for a really bit of uh, in-depth analysis into first v second. But this was a big game as well between second and third. And it was 2-2 Norwich-Sheffield United. An absolutely fantastic display of championship football, George, between uh, two different styles, but two teams that play positive football who who played their own way and tried to be respectful of the other's threats, but ultimately couldn't stop them. And I think two all uh, really, you know, the perfect scoreline really for this game. Yeah, it was good to see. Often, I think when you've got two teams who, like these two, like to play their own game, um, it often becomes a bit of a a bit of a disappointment because neither enabled the other one to do so. But this was definitely not like that. Both teams enjoyed um, a lot of time on the ball. I think Sheffield United probably edged it in terms of the balance of play. Um, but Norwich had the had the better of the game early on. Um, and, uh, you know, great to see Billy Sharp doing Billy Sharp things. I mean, I absolutely loved his penalty. And um, I don't understand how he managed to generate that much power from that bat lift, but it was uh, it was class. Timo Puki's finish was just so Puki. Mm. Um, still not quite being able to work out if it was genius or, or just quite lucky. And um, I think I think given the 17 league goals this season, you've got to err uh, on the side of genius. Um, 
And yeah, as you mentioned, it was a game that probably neither team really deserved to lose. It keeps them both right in the mix. They'd have been gutted to have seen uh, Leeds as late winner. But um, yeah, I mean, Norwich have certainly kept up the pace on, on, on Leeds up to the big game coming up on the weekend. Blades Analytics, Sheffield United fan, always worth uh, reading out his scout reports. He was at this one. Uh, just echoes what we said about it being an outstanding advert for championship football. Norwich, she says, incredible in the first half an hour, playing some of the best football seen at this level, culminating in their first goal, which was sensational with movement, rotation and incisive passing. Uh, there are, if you go on the hashtag NCFC uh, on Twitter, you will find clips of of the sort of why you know the the longer clips showing the moves that they were putting together uh, for the first and for the second goals, and it's worth a look if you're a fan of of uh, movement, rotation, and incisive passing, as uh, as uh, Jay from Blades Analytics says. Um, but Blades settled after that, and by the end of the half, had some great spells of pressure. Edged the second half, Sheffield United, uh, but another great passing goal from Norwich put us under pressure and it took a formation change to a diamond and the introduction of Duffy to change the game in our favour. Classic sharp, two chances, two goals. Duffy made the most key passes on the pitch and only played 30 minutes. Steeperman stood out for Norwich. Uh, Seen a few people mentioning him gliding around the turf, a brilliant ball carrier. Um, I've banged on about Vrancic a fair amount this season. They've got Leitner coming back from injury as well. This Norwich side, um, you know, looking pretty good to be honest and they haven't fallen away and there were people who thought they might and they certainly have not done that. So uh, really enjoyed that one. Leeds, you mentioned uh, coming from behind against Rotherham to win 2-1. Massive game of two halves this. If you read the replies to Phil Hayes' half-time tweet. Um, you'd have thought that Leeds were sort of winless in 10 and uh, close to relegation. There was a, uh, a few people saying, <laughs> we, we all saw this coming, we, we're not good enough and we never have been. And uh, I think what, what we always have to remember with Leeds fans is that there are so many of them uh, that, you know, there are more of them that tweet like that, shall we say. So, <laughs> um, it, you know, I think, uh, I think m- many, most Leeds fans probably had faith in Bielsa and in their team and they'd be right to do that another halftime sub a real calling card of Mr Bielsa uh, it was Clark that came off this time and Tyler Roberts came on Billy Reid watched this one and said he was very impressed with Roberts changed the game for our second half and we didn't look back I think uh, some of the Leeds fans not quite sure about Tyler Roberts not quite sure if he's a man to impact the game so that would have been great for his confidence but Rotherham were fantastic in the first half and their goal uh, the 35 yard strike from Ajay but if you go back you know 20 seconds you've got some interplay some interchange that that Norwich and Leeds and Sheffield United would be proud of so um, credit to Rotherham I suppose despite that praise I am quite worried about them George they're, they're, this has really been the tale of their last few months um, they, they are never beaten easily are they but they are often beaten at the moment and that's a huge worry for them I, I feel like with Ipswich gone, more or less, and Bolton, again, I'm f- finding it hard to imagine another great escape from them. There is a third relegation spot up for grabs, and I must say, uh, I'm slightly fearful for Rotherham at the moment. Yeah, I mean, it's it's with a heavy heart that I have to agree, because I think that there's no way they are one of the worst, three worst teams in the league. I, I think the football they play is laudable, I think, given the budget they've got as well, which shouldn't really come into it, but, but I, I just think that they... Have been so unlucky to to go on this run they've been on, where they've you know they've won one game in their last nine, um, even more than that. Um, I think and, it's and like they've, sixteen they've, or so in the league. I don't know, league, I yeah. don't know where you've no, gone nine is. from. Well, and, well they've lost. Loads. Well, no, because they, they've won one and lost eight. I think it is in the yes. league. Right. So, okay. Um, I mean, the, the games coming up are going to be huge. They've got Millwall, Wigan, and Sheffield Wednesday, Wednesday and Reading. It's four of the next five. Wow. So. And an away trip to Hull, where if, if Hull's bubble has burst after that defeat on the weekend, 
um, that could be an, uh, you know, an easier time to play them. I, I still think there's life in them. Um, it's going to be difficult to, to overcome this bad run of form. But given that they came into their season as the massive underdogs to stay up and, and that's still being the case, um, they can continue to play with a certain amount of freedom that maybe teams like Reading and like Bolton won't really be able to do because there's slightly more expectation on them to, them to stay up. Um, Rotherham are very much aware that, that finishing out of the out of the relegation zone on goal difference would be a huge achievement. And um, and again, they put another decent decent effort against Leeds. Uh, I think it was if it was Bailey Peacock Farrell in goal, they probably would have gone two one up um, with that with that box long shot, which was saved by the new keeper. Um, but it's a game of fine margins. Who knows what would have happened after that? But um, it, it's it's starting to get concerning. But now is the time to really knuckle down because this is the run of fixtures that's going to define their season. From a Leeds point of view, uh, keeping their head, uh, keeping Mr Bielsa's sort of instructions in, in mind and, and turning the game around, that is a feature of top teams. And it's something we've been lucky to see uh, from Leeds all season, really, and from Norwich as well. With with some of their late goals, they, they don't come from, uh, you know, suddenly changing to plan B and pumping it long and, and putting bodies in the box. They are uh, they, they come from a complete belief and execution in what their, their coaches are teaching them and that is really fantastic it's a real treat for us following these teams because uh, Leeds's goals were well the first goal was pretty horrendous defending but the second goal was beautifully executed um, Pablo Hernandez had another magisterial game and yeah I think yeah that there definitely is um, something that sets these teams apart and it's the way that they play with 15 20 minutes to go when they're still looking for a goal and and it's not necessarily you have I'm not saying you have to pass it short still and that is a a good way of getting a goal but it's more the confidence that you see them play with when they when they are confident that that system will work um it's about decision making it's about execution no matter what the style and I think that I guess we probably saw it with Millwall um who, who do play a direct way uh in in a sense against Everton so it can work both ways but uh as I as I mentioned it's a treat to see a real feature of this lead side I mentioned on Quest's uh, digital show the reaction that we don't mention it every week but I'm going to mention it this week that we are talking about a Leeds team that had Alioski at left back the left winger and that had Calvin Phillips at centre back which we've seen a few times this season but he really is a you know a central or a central defensive midfield player and another feature of Leeds that is worth talking about is worth praising we know and people have been saying all season they, they will fall away because Injuries will come from Bielsa's style and Bielsa's intensity, but they've had injuries all season. And of any team that I can think of, they deal with them. Um, well, they deal they deal with them as if they are not an issue. Uh, whereas you get many teams that uh, struggle much more when they miss players. So worth pointing out again. Who else had a good day? I tell you who had a who had a very good day, George. It's those Preston away fans again. They've had an unbelievable day. And guess what? Alan Brown scored away from home, and you know what happens when Alan Brown scores away from home. They just they just laugh, don't they? Because they think, hold on, Alan Brown he never scores at home, and now it's two in two. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Uh, we we had a few messages. <laughs> we had a few messages from Preston fans after last week. Uh, they enjoyed the the roundup of their away day, uh, even though I made it up completely. Uh, and it sounds like this one was pretty similar. They've gone to Stoke. Uh, they've left two nil winners. Uh, another well. Brad Potts, another goal from him. January signings contributing. Uh, key players, Brown and Pearson, just on sensational form at the moment. And uh, another week where we have to say uh, all is very well at Preston North End. And yet they are uh, in the bottom half of the table. 
Well, I mean, that's all That's all because the start of the season. Um, it's, it's, you know, we're both very happy to see them flying high. Um, Brown is a player who, I mean, I, I think his form is coming at a time where they're probably just going to be able to to, to uh, see off any suitors in January. But I, I think they're going to have a tough time keeping him um, past the summer. Um, and it's great. I mean, they're such a young team as well. It's just great to see them doing so well and playing with such freedom. Um, not a game that Nathan Jones will be happy with um, after thinking he'd kind of started the, 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 the Jones era with that huge win against Leeds. Um, back to square one for him. But interesting to see him um, terminating Afalai's contract, saying that Darren Fletcher and Peter Crouch are available for transfer. Um, he's not hanging around in terms of swinging the axe and uh, and getting in players and getting rid of the players that he thinks are Deadwood. Yeah, you wonder whether Stoke might be one of the teams we're talking about most on Thursday, on transfer deadline day, on Sky Sports News. Adam uh, saw this one. He mentioned a very out-of-sync Stoke team, which you've referred to, very poor overall. Campbell, again, the youngster Tyrese Campbell, the only one who looks sharp. Uh, Darnell Fisher back to his best for Preston at right back. That's very welcome because he was good last season and really poor to start this season. Uh, Brad Potts has been a revelation. Couldn't fault a single player for us yesterday. Alan Brown again, superb. The two unfortunates was at this one as well, uh, saying a very listless display from the home side in particular. One wonders where Benic Efobe's career is heading. Um, and that is an interesting question because when I think of... Uh, Strikers lacking in confidence. You think of Morata in the Premier League, and we've seen it with Benteke quite notably over the last few years. Uh, Afobe seems to fit that bill. Um, they have this remarkable, and we should say it wasn't Afobe who missed the penalty. It was Klukas who missed the penalty. But that's they've missed nine of their last 13, uh, which is just horrendous. Uh, bizarre subs from Jones, says Ashley. And uh, yeah, Preston very good for this one, essentially. Pearson controlling the game. Uh, another good result as well for Blackburn. They are on a good run of form and they ended Hulls. Uh, I think Hull had won five and drawn one of their previous six. They went to Fortress Ewood and they left with their tiger tails between their legs. Um, this Blackburn side are um, are really starting to, to, to grow into this campaign and it feels like there are a few more key performers coming to the fore. Uh, we basically just said Blackburn and Bradley Dack every time we said Blackburn in the first half of the season, but that's not the case anymore. No, it's not, although it's an unbelievably good board of Dax through to Armstrong for the uh, for the first goal, and what a finish from Armstrong as well. But no, Jack Rodwell seems to be the flavour of the month at the moment at Blackburn, um, playing at centre-back. He seems to be getting rave reviews from from fans and, and pundits alike, which is good to see. I mean, there's no doubting his qualities, obviously, and if, if he's back to... Uh, you know, back to anywhere near his best, he's going to be a massive player for them at that level. And, and Harrison Reed as well. I think the chances of Blackburn being able to sign him permanently, it's one of it's one of those ones where because he's playing so well, it seems to get less and less likely as it goes. But he's another huge part, part, part player for them. And even in this run of good form that Blackburn have had in the last few weeks, I'd say Dak has been below par. Um, and But then being able to rely on other players has been huge. And, uh, and as I mentioned, he had his own part to play in that first goal. So... Rovers, certainly. I mean, when I I said on the Transfer Talk pod, podcast that Blackburn weren't going to trouble promotion or relegation, and I had a, a tweet from a Blackburn fan saying, well, why not? Um, just six points off the playoffs and more results like that against Hull. It's going to be hard to uh, hard to argue with them. They, uh, maybe they could sneak in. Yeah, they're in eighth at the moment, which just shows in that middle pack that you know three, four wins can really help you to fly up the table. Bristol City, of course, um, currently waiting just below the playoffs for anyone to slip up to have a poor run of form. Um, but, you know, we must say that the teams in the playoffs are pretty good for it at the moment. Derby and even Borough seem to have 
um, I say righted the ship. I'm not sure how far off course it ever was. And I don't imagine Tony Pulis was quite as hysterical as maybe we were or maybe some of the fans were. But, uh, you know, they, they are still one of the teams that Bristol City and Blackburn are looking at and thinking perhaps we could take your spot. Uh, I wanted to mention Daryl Lenehan. I've banged his drum a few times on Twitter, the centre-back. Mulgrew has always got the headlines, a bit like Aidan Flint because of his goal scoring. But uh, Lenehan it really is the, the defensive genius at the back for Blackburn still very young uh, young Republic of Ireland international I think he's 23 24 25 odd and uh, he's a yeah a true true player and now that Rodwell uh, looks to have slotted in next to him they they look um, they look like they're improving during the season which is which bodes very well for next season no matter what happens now uh, as does most importantly the emergence of Lewis Travis a midfield player who Mowbray has sort of eased into the team and as of about five, six games ago, uh, uh, games ago, he is now <clears throat> certainly a first team player, a starter uh, and the results since he's been in the team speak for themselves. So he's given them a bit of something extra and is a very, very exciting, very young player that's come through their academy. So uh, really good stuff at Blackburn last few weeks. Uh, we had a first win for Martin O'Neill at Nottingham Forest or with Nottingham Forest. They beat Wigan uh, at home. Now, Wigan are a funny one. You got a tweet from someone saying, oh, I'm quite interested in, um, what was it? Was it 14 to 1 for Wigan to go down? Yeah. Um, and you sort of battered him away. I'm looking at the table now. Wigan are 20th, uh, six points above. Um, and they've played a game more than Reading, who are in 22nd. Um, so you're not too worried about them at the moment. But I can sort of see where he was coming from. I mean, I, I when I first read it, I thought it was interesting, and then I kind of had a look a bit deeper, and it's just that their run of fixtures, their home form is is very very good. Um, they've only lost four at home this season, drawing three and winning the rest. And the home form, um, they've still got to play at home. A few teams who are pretty lowly. I think they've got to play Ipswich, they've got to play Millwall, um, and you, I just think that they've got enough about them um, if they can maintain that home form to 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 get out of it. As you, as you said earlier in the podcast, Ipswich and Bolton are down, Reading, Rotherham, and and, and probably Wigan. Uh, maybe one or two others if they go on bad runs of form, making up that last spot. And I just think that they, you know, given Reading's poor form, given Rotherham um, really struggling to pick up any points whatsoever, um, their home form should see them out of it. But at fourteen to one, you know, you don't have to invest much to uh, to get a decent return there. So by no means um, putting you off, just saying it's not for me. Yeah, they created a fair amount to be fair uh, in this game, but to be fair, uh, O'Neill <laughs> getting the win, and it's an interesting one. Uh, the Team selection for Forest really, really uh, upset uh, the the Nottingham Forest fans on Twitter. Anyway, uh, again, we we must not pretend that Twitter is everything, but it can be a good gauge uh, for fan feeling. Uh, it was a midfield three of Jack Colback, Ben Watson, Adlen Guediora, a front three of Joe Lolly, Matty Cash, and Daryl Murphy. So the headlines really were Graben uh, benched, uh, João Carvalho benched as well and uh, it didn't go down that well and yet uh, 3-1 win Lolly with a great goal Murphy fairly effective as a target man Guediora had one of those games that he has every five games or so where he, he sort of looks like the championship's Paul Pogba just driving forward creating tackling doing everything um, and it ended up as a very very positive day Matty Cash as well um, he's a he's a he's an interesting one isn't he because despite everything that's happened at Forest over the last few years and all the the change and the mix-up and the squad churn and the changes of manager. Uh, Matty Cash has just sort of put everything to one side and just maintained his his upwards trajectory as a footballer, and it's hugely impressive. And he's now 
Um, you know, a, a bit like some of the players I've mentioned earlier on, but like Travis at Blackburn, Cash is, is a very, very established member of this first team. Um, so positive stuff for Martin O'Neill at Forest. Um, yeah. And they've disappointed Roy Keane as well as assistant. So he's now in the building. The return of Keno. Yeah, so in League One, it was it was very reduced uh, in League One. Not many games at all, but we did see Luton and Barnsley make the most of that. Uh, Luton's 1-0 win against Southend put them at the top of the table. Uh, there's not really much we can say that we haven't said already before. It's just, just absolutely sensational at the moment from Luton. Uh, there was a point where it was like, they're so amazing at home, uh, but their away form has been unbelievable as well. There was a point where it was like, God, these guys score so many goals, uh, but their defence has been key as well. We had a few messages after this game uh, pointing out that Sonny Bradley and Matty Pearson have just been sensational. Uh, and in a team where the wing-backs push on so much, you know, those centre-backs do get exposed every now and again and they do seem to deal with it very well. Barnsley, uh, quite poor, we, we were told. Uh, well, I saw the game, actually. Uh, they went behind against Rochdale at home and that rather kicked them into gear. Uh, Kiefer Moore and Corley Woodrow, that... You know, those guys should, probably shouldn't be playing in League One or given their quality on their day and they both score good goals uh, to turn that around and get the win. So Luton into first, Barnsley into third and, and this five-way battle continues to intrigue. There's a, pretty much all of the teams have played a different amount of games, which is unbelievably confusing. Charlton drew nil all with Peterborough. We're going to talk about what happened after that game in just a second, but I just want to uh, sort of keep it at the top of the table uh, Sunderland obviously didn't play. They've dropped down to fifth, but they've got all the games in hand. One over Portsmouth and Barnsley, two over Luton and three over Charlton, who are just one point above them. Uh, Pompey drew with QPR, so they've got a replay coming up as well. And they'll be quite keen to get back out on the grass in the league because they've uh, they've obviously not been in great form recently. So their trip to Kenilworth Road on Tuesday night uh, will certainly be interesting. But I want to talk about off-pitch matters because strikers are on the agenda. Uh, Sunderland have lost Josh Madger. He has gone to Bordeaux and Charlton appear to be losing Carlin Grant. He looks like he'll be going to Huddersfield. Starting with Madger, uh, George, how big a loss is this for Sunderland? It's a massive loss. Um, I, I know a lot of their fans are, are not convinced he's necessarily you know, the real deal, but at the same time, without his goals and without him doing what he's been doing this season, there'd be a lot of trouble. Um, it's going to be very hard to find a find a striker who can score goals at the rate that he has done this season, who can convert at the rate he has done this season. Let me remind um, you uh, of those stats. 42 shots this season, 21 shots on target, 50% of his shots on target. That's that's pretty standard stuff. At 15 goals from those 21 shots on target, from those 42 shots. So at 71% of his shots on target going in, 35% of his total shots going in. Unbelievably impressive finishing ability that he's shown. Uh, the negative, I guess, for Sunderland is that is very rare to find in a striker and pretty much, in fact, I can say quite confidently, no other striker in the EFL this season is anywhere near that sort of conversion rate. So that is what they need to replace if they're continuing to, to create the same chances for a different striker. Well, in order to get the same amount of goals as Madger was producing, this guy's going to have to play out of his mind, whether it's Will Grigg, whether it's the youngster Walker from Middlesbrough, whoever it is, uh, it's, it's a massive loss, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think it doesn't sound like it's going to be Greg, does it? Um, but it's yeah. The only thing I would say on on what you've just said is what I've been banging the drum on about the whole time is that that was never going to continue for Madger. So in a way, 
whilst it is a big loss and he's obviously a very clinical finisher, um, the goals surely, I mean, unless Sunderland changed their style of play and were able to create more chances, that was never going to continue. So, but they're still going to have to find someone who can who can feed off scraps because that's what Madger did very very well. It seems, um, seems that Wyke is is not really. I don't know. I thought that I thought they were being quite positive about him. It doesn't seem like anyone now feels he's the one to do that, which is uh, a shame. Yeah, it is a shame. Right? I think they see him as a bit of a different player. I mean, Madger, despite his goal scoring exploits, seemingly more of a player who plays between the lines, whereas White more of a target man. Um, so I think Madger not, basically I, I, didn't play at all uh, until the ball got into the, <laughs> the sort of twelve yeah. yard, you know, the the penalty box so, within twelve I yards. Mean, I, I would, I personally think the Wikes are, you know, a very good player at that level. Um, he may not, um, he's not a like-like replacement, obviously. Um, but I think that there's no one really who can, who you can say confidently would be a like-like replacement for what Madge has done this season. Um, so it is a big loss, but at the same time, there, you know, there are plenty of other areas where Sunderland need to improve, and, and I think their fans certainly seem to be expressing the same belief now. Uh, you seem to be quite, uh, I don't know if the right word is happy or impressed or you're just enjoying this late, this sort of, uh, this this theme at the moment of uh, English players going abroad. You tweeted saying, uh, the latest promising youngster to take the opportunity to move abroad. This can only be good for British football. It's now up to Premier League clubs to prove that there is a route to the first team. Uh, hope he smashes it in Bordeaux. Yeah. Well, it's it just, I'm bored of seeing players, you know, I mean, what's a good example recently? Jordan Hugel going to, to going to West Ham. I mean, what a shambles that is. So you didn't want to okay. see him go to, I don't know, Spurs well, or something? Well, just go and, to, and exactly, where, where he's not going to, yeah. exactly. I'm, I'm sure he'll get his chance at Bordeaux. He'll be away from the limelight. Um, it's proving there's a, there's a different route for players in the AFL to, to get towards the top. Um, and hopefully it means that when clubs in the Premier League are in for these type of players, they're going to have to give them some kind of assurance that, that they're going to play them, especially these days with with, with uh, homegrown quotas, where you're probably seeing uh, players bought in just to fit that fit that criteria. And if they can help on the pitch, then that's a bonus. Um, I think it's really really healthy, and we're seeing. You know, we haven't seen many guys from from the EFL go abroad yet, but in terms of talents such as Sancho and, and Nelson from Man City and Arsenal, you're seeing straight away that these guys are being put in the deep end and delivering. So. If Magic can get into the the Bordeaux team and start scoring goals quickly, I think we're going to see the the whole way that tra- the transfer market works for young players just changing dramatically. Where not only are, are European clubs going to be more interested in taking on players of that ilk, but we're also going to hopefully see players seeing that they've got more than one choice. And the same question as I asked you about Josh Magic, but replace Josh Magic for Carlin Grant. He is having a medical at Huddersfield this afternoon, leaving. Charlton, he's their top scorer this season with 14 league goals. And uh, this is another one that's not gone down that well with the Charlton fans who feel, I think, a little like uh, like Grant sort of owes the club a, a little bit for, for kick-starting his career or starting his career, really. Uh, so he's moving to Huddersfield. How big a loss is he for Charlton? Um, I was going to say in the short term and the long term, but I mean, yeah, in the short term. <laughs> uh, and this time last year. A certain Carl Robinson said farming him out to uh, to Crawley on loan. Mm. Um, it, he's a big loss. I think him and him and Lyle Taylor are, are the envy of most teams in the league. Um, but and, and I'm very surprised that the, the fee only seems to be two million pounds. I'm very surprised there aren't more clubs in for him because he's, he looks to have it all. He's he's very good on the ball. He's got real pace and power. 
um, and he's a and he's a goal scorer. So and he can play. I think he could probably play up front on his own, as we've seen when Lyle Taylor's been shifted out wide, or he could play in a two as well. Huddersfield, a team who desperately need a striker as well, whether it's to try and keep them in the Premier League or or fire them back up yeah, next seems, season from the championship. To me so. this is, this is uh, for them for a from a Huddersfield point of view more with next season with an eye on next season uh, of course this is a, a an explosive player that i'm sure can cause damage to any defenders uh, late on in games even at premier league level at the moment but who uh, is still uh, you know he's certainly not the finished product i think there are times on the ball where his touch can get away from him um and you know his his i would say his very impressive dribbling stats are, are, are he's one of those players is arguably more because of his pace than because of uh, absurd or like really high technical ability not to say that he's not uh, decent technically and I think you know this the same with his finishing it's uh, very very good at times but uh, sometimes looks like he's quite somewhere shocking penalty me. yeah sometimes looks <laughs> on the like, weekend sometimes you know compared to for example Taylor who is one of those players that would never get a move to a Premier League club but who is the more established uh, well he's clearly more senior but also just he just looks like a more well he is a more consistent player really and he's a much cleaner finisher of the ball but Grant does offer all those things that you've mentioned I think that's what sets him apart somewhat uh, Charlton fans a lot of them saying well he's only been looking good because of Taylor uh, I'm not sure I quite buy that I think this is one that Huddersfield no. fans can be can be pretty excited about um, and, and, and he definitely offers I mean not to go into into Premier League um, analysis here, but I know we have a couple of Huddersfield fans who still listen, and, and he's the kind of player they've really lacked since they've been in the Premier League. Someone who can play off the last man, can stretch the fences, can also have the physicality to hold the ball up. Um, yeah, I think it's a good signing. I think they've got him for a snip. Uh, big news in League One this weekend was Steve Evans being sacked by Peterborough not long after the final whistle in Peterborough nil, Charlton nil. It was a strange one because it, it seemed like Posh played all right in that game. It was a relatively attacking lineup, which I think went down quite well with the fans. You had Madison and Tomlin playing. Uh, the problem, as ever, was putting these players on a pitch in a system that actually makes the team play well rather than the individuals play well. And that strikes me as one of the big issues this season. Uh, Steve Evans... And this personnel that he had in the squad, to me, just never quite worked it out. Of course, at the start of the season, um, they started unbelievably well. Five wins from five. And they you know, they couldn't miss, basically. Uh, Cummings and Godden were scoring with, with every other shot. And they were counter-attacking with great speed. And then it all kind of stopped. Uh, since then, eight wins, nine draws, seven defeats, which really is a mid-table record. And they slid down towards uh, mid-table from top to sixth where they're pretty settled now, I think, and still look like a, a playoff team. So, uh, starting with Evans, then we'll get on to his, his replacement. I don't, I, I don't think that's right. I don't think you can say they look like a playoff team. Um, you know, the, the the form in the last <clears throat> what, two months has been so far off that. I think it's four wins in the last 20. Um, I, I mean, this is another one to add to the list where as soon as Evans was sacked, you look on Twitter and you're seeing a lot of people who maybe don't really follow League One saying, what? You know, they've sat this guy in the playoffs. Well, you know, the, the performance levels have been really, really poor for a long time now. Um, and if you're not picking up points, I mean, I have no doubt that if they hadn't made this change now, I don't think they'd have finished in the um, in the playoff places at all. Because there, there was no suggestion from the fans that the style of football was improving. There was no suggestion on the pitch that the results were going to improve. And with, with Darren Ferguson coming in, someone who's had two spells at the club already, um, this this change has been made to ensure they do finish in the playoffs at least, because 
you know, whether it, uh, and Darren McAntony for a long time seemed to stick by Steve Evans with his social media post, but that changed about two weeks ago, which means that then you've got fans and owner all fairly sure that the manager isn't doing a good enough job. So league table, I think, becomes completely irrelevant. This, so you're, this isn't one of those ones where you think, because I think you've mentioned this once or twice before, that uh, sort of done by his own early overperformance, really. Uh, do you know what I mean? I mean, you don't think that this was made... No. Because they were top of the league after five games and the expectations were, were raised at that point. You just think this no. is a, a short-term measure, really, to to ensure they don't just slip into mid-table. Exactly. And, and there was a feeling from the fans. I mean, we normally, when you tell fans that the, their team who are top of the league aren't very good, you get quite an angry response. But then there were quite a few Peterborough fans saying, even when they were flying high, like, we're not very good. You know, it's bad football to watch. We're picking up points we don't deserve. And inevitably, that... that <laughs> has ended with a bad run of form. So, we also got a few, the only stat that matters is goals. Yeah, obviously, obviously, yeah. obviously. But um, <laughs> but but Steve Evans, I, you know, whenever Darren McAntony's at the club um, and the investment that, that, that is made in the summer, there's always going to be an expectation that they're, they're fighting towards the top end of the table. So I don't think in this instance um, it's necessarily a case of, of punishment for a good start. Um, I would say that there have to be question marks as to whether... The structure at Peterborough is conducive to having um, a manager do well because Steve Evans is someone who, like him or, or loathe him, has a very, very good track record at getting clubs out of this league and, and doing well. So to see him, I mean, I know they're sick, but to see him overseeing such a struggle on, on the pitch in the last few months, um, it's going to be a tough job for Dan Ferguson to come in and, and steady the ship. They've got some unbelievable football players. I'm just looking at their squad. I mean, you have to think that someone somewhere, maybe with a little less uh, pressure or involvement and social media uh, activity from the chairman, could come in and, and, and put this all together. Because, you know, Madison, Tomlin, Cooper, Dembele, as sort of lads behind the striker, Tony, Godden, uh, they've obviously lost Cummings, uh, Dempsey and Reed and, and Woodyard. They've just got a fantastic team. And, and interestingly, Ben White has come in. He's on loan from Brighton. Uh, we had a, um, a heads up from a Brighton fan to say this lad is, is genuinely, genuinely good. Um, and it seems already that posh fans are quite enjoying him. So it's all set up for Darren Ferguson. His, his Donny team, from what I can remember, were really quite poor going forward, but very, very good at the back. Uh, sort of, you know, top six defence. Uh, bottom half attack and that and that kind of held them back last season so uh, it'd be interesting to see what he does with with this team um elsewhere in league one there were good wins for blackpool a great win at coventry really coventry uh, with a the same old lament uh, creating chances missing sitters and then uh, falling apart there but blackpool are, are one of those teams that are always ready when a team isn't up to their best to, to take three points really impressive stuff they've done some good uh, january business as well i think getting naya kirby in uh, on loan from palace It'll take a bit of time to make an impact, but I think he can do. Um, and Elias Sorensen as well, who's the uh, Newcastle striker, the Dane with the Geordie accent, which is always fun. Um, Scunthorpe won again. They managed to beat Fleetwood without even having a shot on target, which is always fun. Uh, ridiculous run of form they're on. I think they were 23rd on Boxing Day. Uh, they're now 14th, uh, 16 points from six games. And Wickham v Plymouth in what can only be described, I think, as the great... The, the greatest possible fixture in terms of shithousery, if I may say that. Uh, the shithouse derby. And that is, <laughs> that's very much how it played out. Um, we had a pair of fantastic Sunday scouting reports here. 
Tom, the Wickham fan, said it wasn't pretty, but we did enough. Rattled Derek Adams and the away fans in the process. Uh, a lot's made of our time wasting, but Argyle are the worst side at Adams Park this season and did take out two Wickham players to cause long stoppages. Uh, Green Line 111 chimed in. Argyle not on their best after a good run. Wickham, the poorest team I've seen us play this season. Own goal, the only difference, followed by 75 minutes of fake injuries, time-wasting, and trying to get opponents sent off. If there's one thing that really unites people, it is the opposition wasting time. Uh, They really don't like that, Um, and it it makes me laugh every Sunday. It's always one of the things that people say. We also often get, this is the worst team we've played against, and very occasionally do people say, the best side we've played against, but mostly it's the worst team. So it really tickled me that both fans said it about the other so a good, yeah, just a good win for Wickham there and Plymouth's good run comes to an end, which brings us to League Two, where we had uh, one of the games of the weekend, surely in world football and certainly across the EFL this season. Berry 3, Lincoln 3 was an absolute epic, George, just as we hoped, just as we uh, sort of predicted really uh, on the betting show. We thought there'd be goals and, and there were plenty. Lincoln going ahead three times at Gig Lane and Berry coming back to equalise each time. This was a battle between two teams who we expect to see in League One next season. And I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm expecting us to, to back them to do fairly well as well on, on this showing. Well, I mean, if they keep the two managers, then then undoubtedly. I mentioned earlier in the Championship section how um, how the Norwich Sheffield United game lived up to expectations. I mean, this was exactly the same. Um, Lincoln getting joy with uh, with the long attritional balls into the box and picking up the scraps. Berry um, using their unbelievably gifted technical players and Danny Mayer and Joe O'Shea. I mean, what a strike from Joe O'Shea for the first goal. Um, it was a proper League Two game under the lights, rain pouring down. And uh, it was so good. I like for the, the idea cameras. that it rains more in League Two. Yeah well, yeah, well, that's what you think about, isn't it? Scrappy games <laughs> in miserable weather. Um, and, uh, and yeah, the sky cameras were there, which was good because... It was a great advert for um, for League Two football. Just uh, just a shame that um, the BBC were showing something at the same time. It probably stole a few uh, a few viewers who otherwise would have watched it. But you, neither team losing anything in, in that uh, in that draw. Um, amazing comebacks from Berry to to be able to do that three times, and and you know a great effort from Lincoln to score three goals at Gig Lane. I don't think many teams will do that either. So um, in my in my head in my power rankings, um, you know that's one and two in the league. Uh, in League Two with Mansfield not far behind. This is one of the games where we get the other side, where we get people say this is the best team we've played against. Uh, Both sides showing a a lot of respect after this one. And you can see why. It was a fantastic game because both teams, a bit like that Norris-Sheffield United game, they did want to impose themselves on the opposition. There was no thought from Lincoln to to turn up and try and nick a nil-nil or a one-all. Um, and, and they sort of seemed to take it in turns to attack. It was like basketball at times. Both teams were able to, to progress the ball up the pitch, seemingly at will, really, in, in their different styles. Berry especially had so much joy um, with combination play down with the, with the wing-backs and, um, and the attacking players down the side. And uh, it, was just, it was just brilliant. It was just glorious. If you haven't watched the highlights, anyone listening, please do get on that. Um, elsewhere, good wins for Mansfield, Carlisle, Forest Green. They're all in the hunt. Exeter moved into the last playoff spot. They won as well. Um, uh, Crew are, are looking quite good. Um, they've had a real turnaround. They beat Colchester. Arman Mikarimi, who we like, who's a League Two analyst, he he wrote to us about this one, saying Crew 
very very much good value for this and, and seemingly on the up. They they more than matched a strong Colchester side, were well organised uh, and Colchester lacked confidence and made some errors during the build-up to Crewe's winner. Crew now, um, to, me, to my eyes anyway, they look more reliable, they look more solid, they look more consistent. And what that means is the quality that they have is coming to the fore a bit more and um, they're only six points off the playoffs. So uh, out of those you know, very much outside of the playoffs so far this season. They could be the one to make a, a late run. Uh, two more things just to touch on quickly, George. I want to know uh, what's wrong with MK Dons? What's going on? They lost to Grimsby on the weekend. They're down in, in fifth at the moment. Or is it sixth? I know. And and especially against the Grimsby team who were playing with 10 men for, for an hour of the game. Although they're you know, obviously pretty adept at that, having, uh, having um, held out Crystal Palace for basically 90 minutes in the FA Cup. Mm. Um what was that? It sounded like an alien just landed in your in your flat. I think it was a motorbike, but similar. Ah, uh, nice. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I, it's, it's hard to really say. Uh, Paul Tisdale teams, or Paul Tisdale's Exeter did, did do similar things. We'd often see them um, having shocking runs of form, and this is the first um, one of those at uh, that he's undergoing at MK. Uh, at MK. I mean, the quality they have. Um, should have seen them clear in that Grimsby game. Surprised to see an, an AK starting on the bench. You'd have thought and this would be in those kind of games he would maybe provide the difference. I don't know if there was a fitness issue there. Um, but I've been very surprised to see the drop-off in form and it sees, you know, there's no sign of it letting off. Yeah, uh, lastly, I don't necessarily need a comment on this because I think this is just one of those ones we need to share uh, for the good of those who might have missed it um, and we need to sort of wait and see what's going to happen. Uh, it was a fairly wild weekend for Notts County uh, without even playing a match. Uh, Alan Hardy, the chairman, was on the receiving end of uh, a, a pretty, uh, well, a real takedown from Daniel Taylor in The Guardian uh, about his methods and about how, under his leadership, various uh, issues surrounding his social media use, maybe some ego problems and some dreams that have not been realised, put it that way, uh, have seen them in their position at the moment of bottom in League Two and very much staring down the barrel of a drop into non-league, which would be the first time in their history. Uh, for any of you who are not au fait with the history of English football, they are the longest-serving uh, football league club. Uh, the, the I think the yeah the team that's been in the EFL, the football league, for the longest stretch is around 160 years at this stage. So it's uh, all in a bit of a mess. The the article went out. And just inexplicable, this. <laughs> the next morning, Alan Hardy uh, sent a tweet to someone which included a screenshot, uh, which included uh, some thumbnails from his camera roll, shall we say, uh, uh, one of which appeared to show uh, the appendage of someone. So that's gone viral, all quite embarrassing. And a few hours later, Alan Hardy uh, deletes his Twitter account and puts the club up for sale. So really was a, an absolutely wild uh, 24 hours for Notts County and Alan Hardy. Just got to say, really, that, that we feel very sorry for their fans because it's already been a difficult enough season, as it is obviously a playoff team last season and not a set of fans who expected uh, this to happen. And as our friend Kieran Maguire, the finance expert, says, the problem is who will want to buy a business that loses 35 grand every week, rents the stadium, and is technically insolvent as liabilities exceed assets. So it has to rely on the owner to survive. Uh, a real mess. And sorry to end on a sombre note, but George, thank you uh, very much for joining us. Despite uh, not feeling at your best today, I thought you were absolutely scintillating on the pod. <laughs> Thanks, mate. You were great too. Hopefully I'll be, I'll be better for, uh, for Thursday. We don't want to snivelly me 
uh, live on Sky Sports News. But um, yeah, going to get the rest in now. Yeah, I definitely don't want that. Um, keep abreast of us, guys, on Instagram at NTT20Pod. Uh, if George is feeling better, we are going to be at Oxford v Barnsley, snow permitting tomorrow at the Kassam. Uh, so hopefully get some good content in, uh, well, during that game and, and before and after. Um, watch Sky Sports News on Thursday afternoon. Watch Sky Sports Football on Thursday evening and get ready for the betting show later on in the week as well. Uh, we uh, really appreciate all of your support. And if you could drop a retweet on this podcast, we would be most grateful. So that is it from us this week.